This is Lunch with Legends, hosted by Lou Stowers. Brought to you by ASE Media and Thinkslinger.org. And by World Financial Group, Athena Financial. Protect your assets. And Kangen Water Systems. And here's your host, Lou Stowers. Thanks, Big Game Jimmy Flame, and welcome to Lunch with Legends. I'm Lou Stowers, and you can come here whenever you want to on Spotify, Google, Apple, or ever and uh, get the best in the interviews. And uh, speaking of best, we got one of the guys that, um, well, I guess you could say that um, he climbed on my back to launch his career into NBC and Golf Channel. But no, Van Nuys High's uh, Damon Hack, the Hawk, is with us today. And uh, Damon, I just want to say that uh, I can't even tell you how proud I am. The, the buttons on my shirt are about ready to pop off because um, I remember you back in the early 90s at the old sports radio 710 KMPC coming from UCLA and KLA and uh, th that smile and that glint in your eye and that green and yellow and blue aura around you just has not changed. Welcome uh, to Lunch with Legends. Sweet Lou, it's great to be with you, buddy. I remember those days like they were yesterday, walking through the halls of the old KMPC and the legends there, the names, the learning the ins and outs of the business and, and really trying to cut my teeth and kind of shut my mouth and have my ears open. And, and you were uh, one of the, just the great people who I could follow, talk to, learn from. And those were some magical times. Well, I'm glad you followed the advice because uh, you're definitely a heck of a lot bigger. So you learned what not to do in this business by, by talking <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I learned a lot about, uh, kind of the the fledgling and sometimes you know unpredictable aspect of the media world you know and sports stations becoming news stations and uh, it kind of was a reality check and seeing how sometimes things change station manager changes format changes uh you know sports rights who's got this team who's trying to bid for that so it was really uh, a way to learn about the ins and outs of the business, you know, beyond just doing in bumps and out bumps and cutting tape and, and <laughs> throwing the commercial. Oh, well, that's right. Uh, you helped out, I'm sure with um, the, uh, the NFL show that we did that Chris Roberts hosted and, and I was running and uh, gosh, what was the name of that show? The NFL, NFL in action or NFL today. Yeah, NFL in action. I did exactly right. NFL in action. I did. I remember cutting tape, you know, getting highlights and literally and back when cutting tape was literally cutting tape, splicing. <laughs> I mean, I, I can still those darkened rooms trying to kind of find the perfect place to go in and out of highlight. And, oh, I mean, answering phones and, you know, that we had this uh, producer, Tony Albano and Nick Zaccanino and guys that had these Rolodexes of, of GMs and players and me trying to kind of, find out how to grow my Rolodex and, and be able to call a GM to help break some news and to get some guests. I mean, what a time it was, especially in LA uh, in the early nineties and UCLA Bruins and 
the Dodgers and the Angels. And it was just uh, an unreal time. Oh, it sure was. And uh, yeah, we had UCLA, the Rams and the Angels. And they were still the station yeah. was still owned by Gene Autry. Um, yeah. Who was was a great friend and Jackie Autry, too. Um, were, were you there during, during the, at the start of the Rodney King riots? Gosh, I was in college at UCLA when that happened. Um, I think I'd already been an intern at KMPC, but I remember talking to my dad who's I was living in an apartment and he just said, don't leave your apartment, son, stay on campus. Uh, it's just too dangerous to go out into the streets right now. And I did. So I, I think I'd already started uh, being my an internship at Camp, Camp EC, but I, I definitely did not uh, leave my apartment for the next couple of days. Well, just a quick story. Uh, when that started, it, that's what you, you talked about format changes. This was kind of like a format change right there, because I think we were only on the air for like about two weeks. And here we right. were talking right. about the Lakers going into the playoffs and, and, and the Dodgers were playing the Expos and um, uh, Delano DeShields, I think was, was a new Dodger then coming from the Expos and right. Jim Lampley was doing the afternoon show and we're watching all of this unfold there on um, Figueroa and a hundred and whatever street. And um and then during commercial breaks, we we calling the uh, programmer's office and saying, "Hey, are we just going to ignore this? What's going on? Are we going to, are we going to switch to to covering this? Because it's actually now it's happening right outside our door at Sunset and Wilcox and Gower, right there at the one hundred and one. So yeah, it was um, uh, that was certainly an exciting time, a sad time." But for for us at KMPC and and uh, serving the community, it was uh, certainly an honor and a challenge doing that. Yeah, one of those moments in time where news directors and sports directors all over the country are figuring out when do I break in, and you know, because sometimes people use sports as an escape from from reality and from the the big stories that are are sometimes transcending and sometimes they're painful and those are tough calls that producers and directors have to make on what to leave in and what to leave out. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, the, the timing, uh, I, I think it worked out great. Everybody, all the, all the teams working together, all of the media people working together as well. Um, and, and trying to, to help soothe everything and heal everything, um, which yeah. is still going on. Um, what 20, it's amazing how, yeah, 30 years later. Can you, can you believe that? I mean, the more things change from, from Rodney King to George Floyd, uh, we've seen, uh, our country grapple with these issues of race and, and kind of our history. And we've made wonderful strides, I think as a country. And sometimes there's a reminder that sometimes we still have a bit of a ways to go, but even in my job at, uh, golf channel and NBC, I've seen, you know, our coverage, sometimes it intersects with the real world. And even on the golf course, we had golfers that were wearing clothes or putting Ahmaud Arbery's name or Breonna Taylor or George Floyd on their shoes. A senior golfer had Black Lives Matter on his bag because he, he was a white man who'd adopted a black son hmm. and said, you know, and otherwise I probably wouldn't have had that on my bag. But 
having a different conversation with my black son as I did to my white son, told me all I needed to know, telling my black child, you know, hands on the wheel, be careful if you get pulled over. And, and it was really um, interesting to see how kind of a, a conservative sport like golf even was touched by some of these very um, difficult topics. I'm going to fast forward uh, with with this, Damon, because I wasn't going to talk about it until later on. Damon Hack from NBC Sports and the Golf Channel is with us, and also he he's the morning uh, show host. What is the what's the name of that show, Damon? So now we're Golf Today. We were Morning Drive for for several years, and now we've uh, morphed into a show called Golf Today. Okay, and and that's on the Golf Channel. What time can we see that? Typically noon to two on the East Coast, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. out West. Really? My gosh, you, you really don't work for a living, do you? That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good hours. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so what I was going to say is, is that here you are, uh, an African-American young man, an African-American. Now you're on the Golf Channel. 30 years ago, when you started in this business, how likely would that have been that an African-American kid would have been hosting a morning show on golf? Oh, it's a, it's a great question. So unlikely. And you'll love this story. The seeds of my love for golf. Not so fast, my young, good, handsome friend. We'll be back with that story and more of Damon Hack right after this. Hey, it's Lou, and uh, wait, wait, what are you doing? Still drinking that recycled, filtered tap water from that ecological nightmare plastic bottle that you're paying way too much for that's going to fill the landfills and fill the oceans and never go away and kill all the whales? And with COVID seemingly never going away, are you still spending thousands on antibacterial and cleaning products that also make it hard to breathe? Well, then turn your tap water into healthy drinking and cooking alkaline and electrolyte infused water, cleaning water, and antibacterial water. Yep, I did say antibacterial water with the Canjin Home Water System. Imagine how much money you'll be saving on cleaning products, wipes, sanitizers, and plastic waste from all of those containers and water bottles. Because with the Canjin water system, all of these varieties of water are right at your fingertips at home. With the Canjin water system, there will be no more emergency runs to the store because you ran out of whatever it is you're using to clean, disinfect, and drink. And if you're sensitive or a family member is sensitive to those caustic antibacterial products, invest in a Canjin. The cleaning water is tough enough to kill mold, but there's a setting for water gentle enough to clean and moisturize your skin. If you love the benefits of alkaline and electrolyte-infused water that's filtered by reverse osmosis, invest in a Canjin home water system today. Get a Canjin for your business. Provide your clients with the benefit of clean surfaces without caustic, irritating chemicals and healthy drinking water. That's good for your employees, too. And it makes a great marketing tool. You know, I have a Canjin water system at home, and I can't imagine my life without one. Give my good friend Michael Lando a call right now, 714-931-0059. The Canjin Home Water System. Get one today, 714-931-0059. 
Hey, it's Lou. Do you have a family or a property or both that needs financial protection if, God forbid, something happens to you? If something does happen to you, would your mortgage be paid off? Do you have up to 10 years of income socked away somewhere so your family can keep that beautiful house and lifestyle you've worked so hard for and keep it away from the tax man? And what if you get critically, chronically, or terminally ill? Hey, even though you're gone, the bills still keep coming in waves. I know my wife and I weren't properly protected when she died of cancer in 2012, and I'm still treading water and bills. Give us a call at WFG World Financial Group. We represent 160 life insurance, long-term care insurance, and annuity companies around the country. And you know, I really love what Transamerica, North American, and One America products offer. Let us build you a safe future. You worked hard for it, so don't be a dummy. Protect your family and your assets. And you know how to do it? You can call me or my beautiful stepdaughter, Cassidy Eden, right now at 562-266-7024 now so we can get started today. That's 562-266-7024. WFG for your future. 562-266-7024. Why, thank you, me. Yep, those products are really, really good. And annuities, too. Pet insurance. They do it all. And with clean, bacteria-free water. <laughs> anyway, it's time to get back to my buddy Damon Hack of NBC Sports and the Golf Channel. And... We left off with Damon telling us how he got interested in golf. The seeds of my love for golf were planted by our old station director, Scott O'Neill, oh. who invited me one day to play golf with him at Spanish Hills, mm -hmm. Oxnard, yeah. private one of our club. Spon I had one never, of our sponsors, yeah. yeah. And I'd never played golf other than a putt-putt miniature golf course, and I, and I went with Scotty. I shot 144. He had a set of Arnold Palmer peerless irons <laughs> and he ended up saying, Damon, you, you're going to need irons. So he gave me these irons and I ended up having them for several years. And I, and I started to play golf, but you hit that one good shot and it brings you back. And yeah, I probably hit <laughs> one good shot and 143 bad shots, but it was Scott O'Neill inviting me to play golf. And me falling in love with the game. And then in 96, Tiger wins his third straight U.S. amateur. In 97, he wins the Masters by 12. And at that point, I'm all into the game. Didn't grow up playing it. But uh, those seeds were planted in the early 90s. And then when I saw someone who looked like me winning the Masters by 12, I was like, you know what? Maybe this could be a sport for me. Wow, no kidding. Well, 144, that's right in my wheelhouse still. But uh, <laughs> it's a hard game. And that's the, and then we'll talk about the back nine later. But um, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Spanish Hills, that bring, we played in a tournament there. It was a, a UCLA KMPC tournament. Now, that wasn't it, was it? Or did you play in that one? I, it might have been that. I, I might have been invited to that. I was so ignorant of the rules of where I was going, what I was doing, the sound of like, spikes on the cart path and i was surrounded by some players i was just trying to keep my head on straight so it might have been like a kmpc ucla activation of some sort but i just remember scotty inviting me and then the uh, next thing i know I, I brought home a, a brand new set of arnold palmer irons and the rest as they say is history
Awesome. Awesome. So what have you ever thought about you breaking any barriers and getting onto the Golf Channel? And, and, and what does that mean, breaking those barriers? Yeah, it means a lot. I'm reminded sometimes when I'm covering events on the road, I'll go to the Masters and an African-American fan will come up to me and just say thank you or I'll bump into somebody in the airport. And, you know, I'm mostly I'm just doing my job at this point in my career. It's just about, you know, reading the news or talking about Tiger making his return. But then you get reminded that your your presence on the channel does mean something to folks that maybe aren't you know, they're, they're kind of minorities in their own golf world, or maybe they're one of two that a member of their club or one of four who has a regular foursome at their municipal course. And when they come up to me and say, Hey, thanks for doing what you do. Thanks for holding it down for us. It's like, wow, that that's meaningful. And a reminder to me that it's more than just a job that I do have a, an important voice. And I never take it for granted because I know that there are some people who gain inspiration by seeing me, in front of the camera and talking about a sport that has been traditionally, you know, homogenous and has become more multicultural in the last 25 years. And you handle yourself with such grace and humility on, on camera. It's, it's, um, uh, that's another reason I'm proud because you don't have a chip on your shoulder. You never have. You've always (laughs) been the guy who's wanted to, wanted to know thirsty for information just that sponge and Mm. have never you've never been damon's first everything else is first and the and the and the way you way you handle yourself and the way that, uh, that everybody um interacts with you on the set it looks like you've been there for years and you've belonged there and you yeah you do belong there and uh yeah you've earned your stripes new york times uh sports illustrated I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at either. So um, uh, I just, again, just want to say how proud I am and how how good and how fortunate NBC and the Golf Channel are to have you there to do that because it doesn't matter if you're green chartreuse or whatever. You're just the hawk. Uh, you're the best. I, I was told early on as I made my transition from the, the writing world to the TV world is that you have to be yourself on camera. If you're trying to be somebody else, the viewer will know. So I appreciate that because I, all I can be is me. And um, I'm an optimist by nature. I love to listen. I love people. I, I like to see the good in everyone. I like to lean on that aspect. Uh, and that's kind of how I go about my interviews and how I go about my daily job at Golf Channel and NBC is to be optimistic, be inquisitive and to ask questions and tough ones when necessary. But I just I feel like I have a really cool job, a valuable a place in the game. And I, and I never want to take that for granted. Yeah, absolutely. To have a conversation. That's what I've always taught. Have a conversation. And you got to ask that tough question, even if you're going to give somebody a heads up, say, hey, look, this has got to be addressed. And one of these times, yeah. it's going to be asked. And you know what I found, and I'm sure you found this too, is that even if you don't give them a heads up, they'll respect you for it because there are people that are afraid to. And if you frame it in a yeah. way to where it's respectful instead of like a two by four, then yeah. they'll respect you and want to talk to you again. Yeah, that's a great point. The way you present it, 
you can be respectful and still ask a tough question. Uh, you don't have to be, you know, shock and awe and, you know, going for that sound bite all the time. I like to ask short questions that elicit long answers. You know, I try not to ask the question, um, you know, with the answer. I like to say, you know, what were you going through at that moment? And let them take me where they want to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, is your favorite color red? <laughs> yeah. If you were a tree, what kind of no. tree would you be? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in high school, I was doing an interview uh, about something. And I, and I asked a, a question that solicited a yes or no answer from somebody in the know. And it was like, mm. hmm, I'm not going to do that again. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that's... Uh, you and I are kind of cut from the same cloth and in, in, in that and, and curious and trying to figure out and have figured out that you get more flies with honey than you do that other stuff that's on the lawn. Yeah. So, uh, what has been your favorite moment so far in, on the golf channel? I know, I know that, um, there's been a lot of them and, and this past weekend at the masters had to be one of them. But uh, what's been your favorite so far, besides getting the job, of course? Yeah, there have been a lot of highlights, a lot of moments where I've gone home thankful. This past, uh, you know, Masters 2022, being able to be there when Tiger, 13 months and change after that car accident, and saw his 72 holes making the cut, the adulation of the patrons who had been in awe of Tiger but were more appreciative of him putting his body and his life back together because uh, he didn't have to do it. He's won 15 majors 82 times. And it was neat to kind of see on a Monday practice round, just how 10, 15 deep of the gallery wanted to see this 46 year old father um, whose skills have diminished, but who still has the fight in the heart of a champion. So that was definitely one of them. Uh, I love being on site, being at the Open Championship. One of my favorites was being able to take my family to a Scottish Open a few years ago. Wow. And um, my three boys and my wife, we just had a great walk. And Rory McIlroy walked by at, at one point and threw his banana peel into the heather. And my boys were like, he's littering. And I'm like, well, I think it's probably biodegradable. I'm not 100% sure, but just some of the memories of – having my kids with me on the road, which is, uh, which is hard to do with their school schedule. But I just love that. You know, Rory McIlroy, the four-time major champ is littering. You know, it was just, uh, it was really, really kind of a cute, cute moment with, uh, with my triplet boys. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, you, you can't get that kind of education at home. So you got to take them. Yeah. Yeah. The best lessons are learned. I think on the road, seeing the rest of the world and different cultures and languages and people and, colors and races and it's just neat to, to be able to you can't do it all the time it's expensive it's pulling out them out of school sometimes but the summertime is a good time for that trying to explore the world and um and kind of grow their boundaries uh in addition to growing my own absolutely and then trying to figure out that uh, form of English that they speak there in Scotland and, and they go down the street and they eat potatoes and, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of a, kind of a different place to go. So uh, that's great that you're able to take the kids and do all that. But uh, especially, you know, now traveling now is, is uh, 
is not easy for one person, let alone a whole family. But uh, yeah, uh, this master's had so many stories and sidebar stories that um, you just had to be like at the, at the dessert buffet. Yeah. If you're a sports fan and a golf fan from Tiger's return to the world, number one, Scotty Scheffler winning for the fourth time in six starts in his first major and, and revealing to the media that on Sunday morning, he cried in his wife's arms, wondering if it was a too big, and ask for him the moment too big. And she said, I'm going to love you whether you win by 10 or lose by 10, lean on your faith. And he got to the golf course and was calm. Um, Rory McIlroy shooting 64, the only bogey free round of the week on that Sunday, celebrating when he hold that bunker shot, didn't know what to do with his hands, kind of threw his golf club and <laughs> did kind of an awkward celebration, but just how human that was. And just the annual rite of spring that is the Masters and seeing those azaleas and dogwood and bloom and the smiles on, on the patrons' faces, the badge holders, uh, many have been going for decades and for some as long as a half century. So just the storylines never get old and the Masters never disappoints. I'm sure Scotty Scheffler's wife likes it, loves him a lot more now that she had a chance to deposit that check. But, <laughs> but uh, Tiger- 2.7 million. Yeah, well, that yeah, that'll buy us some azaleas and dogwoods for the front yard. <laughs> but um, Tiger coming back, no matter what you think about him, everybody's got an opinion, and I don't think any of it is down the middle or gray. It's either this way or that way. And but you had to admire him, uh, especially uh, when I was watching him being interviewed after his. Uh, after he finished the fourth round, the final round and just watching him literally try to hide a limp coming up to that uh, uh, 18th green. And, you know, he was trying to hide the limp and um, and just what he put himself through and seeing him getting emotional, as emotional as Tiger Woods can get. And that uh, uh, post round interview um that was really special and, and special for me since i'm still recovering from shoulder surgery i went after i saw that interview i just went to the ice machine filled it up and and uh, put it on my shoulder man it's like yeah let's let's get yeah. this thing going so it was an inspiration for me just to see that yeah tiger even said you know for the folks that have been beat up or beat down, you know, never give up. And he conveyed that message and said three months in a hospital bed. And then once he got out of that bed, he did something large or small every single day, trying to get back to the masters, trying to get back to professional golf. He was limping. He was in pain. He was sore. He was also making more eye contact with the gallery than he ever had before. Uh, it's a different kind of emotion They've always been in awe of his skills, but I think there was much more of an Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus type of love for Tiger, who was before kind of this untouchable, have the blinders on. It was just a different emotion, both he toward the gallery and the gallery toward him. And it was just a different energy and really kind of a beautiful, kind of full circle moment in the career of Tiger Woods. I was just going to ask you that. Has he come full circle and realizing and appreciating what he has and what he had? Yeah, he knows he's made some mistakes uh, and is lucky to be alive. Lucky that uh, 
his right leg wasn't amputated, told us a few months ago that it was 50-50. The doctors considered him losing that leg. And now he says the leg, it'll it'll never be the same. The mobility's not there. The strength's not there, but it can get stronger than it was at the Masters. He talked about going back to the gym after a couple days of rest after the Masters, looking forward to competing at the Open Championship at St. Andrews, which he won in 2000 and 2005. And not sure about the PGA or the U.S. Open, but he looked forward. Uh, Even as he's in the sunset of his career, he continues to look forward, knowing that he may not be the best golfer ever of all time again, you know, at least not at this point, but he still might have a few arrows left in the quiver. You just don't know. You can never count that guy out. Absolutely. How much has his son, Charlie, been an inspiration to him now playing with him? And now Charlie is becoming uh, a celebrity of his own. Yeah, very much so. And I think that that December tournament, the PNC championship in Orlando has given Tiger something to shoot for. And his son, a fantastic young golfer and, you know, helping push Tiger out of bed and Tiger wanting to enjoy those sunset walks with his boy, who's a great young player and, and treating that, you know, 36 hole golf cart ride, hit and giggle uh, as almost as important, if not more so in some ways than his major championship chase, the smile that Tiger gives when he's playing golf with Charlie is just something to behold and another kind of different layer to Tiger that we didn't see at the height of his power, late nineties, early two thousands. So you think he could, uh, you said he's got more arrows in the quiver. Is, uh, is it just going to be tournament by tournament for him? Or has he set um, a timetable for him to ride off into the sunset in that golf cart? Yeah, he says no timetable. He knows that Tom Watson finished in a tie before losing in a playoff at the age of 59 in the year 2009 at Turnberry. He knows Jack won the Masters at 46, Tiger's age now. He knows Greg Norman was 53 when he was the 54-hole leader at Burkdale in 2008. Tiger continues to see the long view. He continues to think that there are major championships that he can win. He loves the old course at St. Andrews, calls it his favorite golf course on the planet. and That's wow. the site of the Open in July. So Tiger uh, is taking the long, wide view, slow walk though it may be, he still thinks that on certain weeks, he can compete with the best in the game. Wow. So, okay, that's probably what he's focusing on as a target then is to go back to the British Open. But you think he might get a practice round in um, somewhere in a tournament between now and July? Or will he just go ahead and, and keep working on his strength and, and then then just show up there at the at the Open? Yeah, I think it's going to be about as minimal a schedule as he can put together without losing complete sharpness and touch. Uh, He's one of those players who says, I'm going to use the Hogan model. When Hogan had that car accident, when the bus hit uh, his car in 1949 outside of Van Horn, Texas, um, he had to play a limited schedule and ramp up for the majors. I think that'll be Tiger's way forward. No longer a regular PGA Tour player but someone who has to pick his spots. He does not want to play in a tournament and then cause himself undue pain, wear and tear uh, as he tries to play in the majors has to find that balance between sharpness, but also not 
hurting his body as he tries to chase some more history. Yeah, you can do that. And I've, I've learned that the hard way with, with this shoulder mess. But um, mm. um, but the parallels between uh, Hogan and Tiger um, with the leg injuries, but the, what's not parallel is is how it's being treated now and the technology yeah. that uh, that Tiger has. I mean, back when Ben Hogan was was recovering, what did we have then? It was horse liniment, aspirin, and moonshine. Now it's exactly right. <laughs> now it's computer. Now Tiger's got Tiger's got a computer. He's got a team. He's got ice baths. He's got hyperbaric chambers. Definitely different ways and different things he can do to promote his healing. Whereas, you know, Hogan wrapped his legs and, you know, bathed in Epsom salts. It's very old school. And uh, Tiger has, uh, believe it, an army helping him get as fit and healthy as he can. Hey, you know what? The, the biology of a human body is still the same. So Epsom salts, they still work, ladies and gentlemen, that's yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> so Scotty Scheffler, let's move on. I know that you're busy on time here. or uh, We got about 10 minutes left before you got to run off and pick up the kids, um, uh, which you have 10, 10-year-old triplets. And that's-, that's Oh, awesome. my goodness. So that had to be something to find that out. Now, was that planned or was that just like a gift from God? A little of both. You know, we did IVF and we were told that uh, it would increase our chances of pregnancy. And we went to the doctor and they said, oh, you're going to have twins. And then we went back a couple of weeks later and did another ultrasound. And they rubbing my wife's belly with that weird smelling stuff and the ultrasound machine and they said hey we see another shadow you're having triplets we're like what so uh it was hiding it was wild it was wild <laughs> my wife is a, a superhero and you know if i'm gone for a week the house continues to roll you know if she's gone for half a day you know things are falling apart so uh <laughs> we're lucky to have her and we're lucky to have those boys who are sports crazed uh, like I am, and it's fun to play golf and play tennis and play hoops and two-on-two backyard football with them. Only reason I work out and go to the gym is to try to keep up with those uh, <laughs> little knuckleheads. Oh, yeah, they'll keep you going, and that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. miss that, by the way. But even my grandkids are getting too old. to They, they push me around now like nothing. But, um, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's uh, – I can still out outrun them and tag, though. But um, Atta, baby. I think they just let me, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's gotta be a whole lot of fun. And IFV is in vitro fertilization or IVF is in vitro fertilization. That's right. Don't know. So, um, uh, so what about your, your work habits? I know for me, even though you're home and you love to be home, I know I get more work done when I'm on the road. So what about, yeah, you? not that I don't I love do. being at home. Oh yeah, yeah. Nothing better than being at home, but I can prep better. I sleep better. You know, I got a whoop on. I got the whoop bracelet that tells me I'm in the green more. I'm on the road. Um, you know, it's just uh, when you're at home, you got the stresses sometimes, and you want to, like anybody, how do you strike that work-life balance? And it's hard to do. And when I'm on the road, I'm in my element. I'm just focused on the tournament. And when you're home. You're focused on tournaments, but you're focused on, okay, I got to pick up the pizza. The boys have tennis today. They got basketball tomorrow and flag football on Friday. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, Your how dad. do you make it all work? 
but right. it's, it's the best it's the best job it's the hardest job i've ever had is being a parent you love them so much uh, my late father described it as uh having children is like seeing your heart outside of your body running around and you just love them and you want to wrap them in bubble wrap and you know you can't but uh you love them so and until you become a parent it's hard to explain it and then you know one day you hope to become a grandparent and it's like you'll never think you'll love anything more than your kids and then you got grandkids and you love them so much as my mom tells me so it's uh it's a mind blower triplets it's all we know we didn't have kids before so it's just normal to us to have had uh three boys one minute apart and uh, <laughs> born in Mount Sinai hospital in New York city. And now um, fifth graders in Connecticut. It's just been, uh, it's been an absolute, what a, what a ride it's been. That's awesome. Well, one thing I got to disagree with your dad on, you don't wrap them in bubble wrap. You say, throw some dirt on it and get back out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, trust me, there's been plenty of times where we've got the, got the the neosporin and the, and the, <laughs> the band-aids and the bandages because those boys they don't take it easy on each other you know that that brother energy a lot of tackling a lot of trash talk but they love each other too it's like they want to beat each other up and they're they're best friends at the same time that's right and they'll probably beat the heck out of whoever wants to beat them up right that's exactly right. That's right. That blood is uh, thicker than water. That's it. All right. Let's get back to uh, what you do for a living and who you cover. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, obviously the number one golfer right now, as of April 13th, uh, 2010, on Lunch with Legends. Damon Hack has so graciously pulled over. You're not in the center divider, hopefully, there in, on the highway, but <laughs> <laughs> safely, safely, safely parked on the uh... On the in the hard scrabble streets of Norwalk, CT. Okay, yeah, not CA, not Norwalk, CA, but Norwalk. CA. Yeah, not Norwalk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but exactly. Uh, what what's uh, coming up is what's coming up for Damon Hack. I mean, uh, uh, what you did the Masters? Do you did they give you any yeah. time off, or 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 you got to get right yeah, back, back on the horse? Work. Right back on the horse, covering uh, the best players in the world: men's game, women's game, college game. You know, for the general golf fan we kind of turned the page toward the pga championship at southern hills in tulsa oklahoma in may uh u.s opens in june at brookline uh, the country club outside of boston and then july the open championship the folks uh, at home probably know it as uh, the british open that's at the old course in st andrews and then of course the fedex cup playoffs uh, take us through the end of the summer so it's really a, a busy sports calendar. I, I did the, the Olympics last year, Tokyo. I actually was in wow. New York City hosting on uh, NBCSN, uh, kind of throwing uh, to different venues and putting on a tie every day. So how is that? See how, how, me some great opportunities. How is that doing, doing virtual hosting? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, in this era of COVID and hopefully getting toward the post, COVID times. It's what you did to to make sure you can still bring the the events to the people. You, you miss the energy of a building, of a stadium, of a venue, an arena, uh, but you still want to give the viewer what they want, which is the story. Where do these athletes come from? What do they do to get to a place where they're putting everything into this 15 second race or this two hour marathon? And I tell you, uh, to see the world come together 
and the world's a difficult place and we know there's geopolitics and war and famine, but there's also beauty in this world. And I think nothing represents it more than the Olympics when you've got countries that come together and for a couple of weeks we can pause and appreciate the humanity in all of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that that is ter- terrific. And the Olympics, well, 1984, I was able to work them and volunteer for them uh, here in Los Angeles. And um, they're coming up again. And so in your next contract coming up with NBC, are you going to tell them you have to come out here to cover live the L.A. Open and Torrey Pines and and uh, yeah. and, and the clam bake? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, we've got a U.S. Open coming to L.A. Country Club, a Riviera's every year. My mom is like, when can you get back on the Riviera, you know, schedule? Yeah. I'm like, mom, I'm trying. But if I come out west again, Lou, uh, we will get together. We will break some bread. We'll go to we'll get in the training. press room and we'll go to Phil Trainees. I mean, it's been a zillion years since I've been there. Um, and that would be really, really fun to go back and, and tell some stories and, and relive some of those old KMPC moments, man. Those were, those were the days. Absolutely. But yeah, you talk about the, the, the media tent there at the Riviera. Uh, yes. I remember them having just, wow. The, the food there was, was awesome. And even with us media types, us freeloaders, as Jim Healy used <laughs> to call us, they used their best China and their best silverware. I love Jim Healy. I, I grew up listening to him. My dad. Oh my goodness. Every, everything, the, you know, uh, the Tommy Lasorda bits and Paul <laughs> Olden. I, I mean, just uh, <laughs> all that stuff, man. It's like, uh, it's yeah, the soundtrack the, of my youth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the whole world stopped at five 30. Oh my gosh. Love growing up in L.A., man, the, the sports radio scene and those stories and those sound bites. I, I can still hear them as if they were yesterday. And I got a quick story to tell you here. I was running the morning show um, for Jim Lampley and then Charlie Tuna. Uh, yeah. And boy, you talk about two other mentors um, and especially Charlie Tuna. It's like I didn't want to let him know I had a man crush on him. But, uh, you know, <laughs> But what a great friend he turned out to be. Anyway, um, uh, I was also covering sports at, and, and the Kings were on their way to the Stanley Cup finals against Montreal. And when they were in the uh, conference uh, championships uh, with Toronto, which was a, a great series as well. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky's little boy, uh, he was teaching him. He was probably two or three then teaching him how to skate and had a little developed a little walker a baby's walker mm. and so he, he he thought that up and somebody else obviously <laughs> stole the idea and made a million dollars off of it but but um, <laughs> but i came up to him and, and said hey as long as there's no one around is this you and me mind if i get a you know we do a little pregame thing he says yeah so i talked to him and and um uh and he and i asked him about it's been a long season and and how much of this is now just muscle memory, just getting in there and going out there and doing it. And he and he gave me the the greatest quote. He said, 75% of this is 99% mental. <laughs> Think about that. So wow. 
played that the next morning on Charlie. It was, well, I think it was Lampley's show. So then after the show, uh, Jim Healy comes running up to me with his box of, of, of carts, of cart, and, 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 yeah. and he says, hey, Lou, think I can uh, borrow that uh, Wayne Gretzky clip? And I said, sure, no wow. problem. So uh, he borrowed it, borrowed it. And then I get, then I played it the next day after he played it at 5.30 that previous afternoon. <laughs> I get called into Bill Ward's office, the general manager. And he yeah. says, Jim Healy told me that you played one of his cuts on the morning show. And I said, no, I gave that to him to use. And he said, no, that's his cut now. You gave it to him. You can't use it anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> so Jim Healy like, throwing his way okay. around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did that. But boy, he ended up being a good friend, too. So, uh, oh, I love it. Damon, I, I miss you. I love you. I'm proud of you. Uh, thanks for spending part of an hour with us on your busy schedule. And um, uh, we'll be talking to you hopefully again down the road and, with Lunch with Legends as we as we grow as well. And um, you're definitely uh, one of our legends here uh, at the Surf City Broadcast Center. Lou, I love you too. Uh, I'm uh, indebted to you for taking care of me from the very beginning. And I look forward to our next conversation, my friend. Anything you need, I am just a whistle away, pal. Damon Hack. Damon Hack, why don't you give yourself another plug so we can find you? Check me out on Golf Channel, NBC Sports, Instagram, and Twitter at Damon Hack GC. The Hawk, Damon Hack. He is no hack. We love him on Lunch with Legends. Until next time, so long. Jimmy, take it away. Hey, no problem, Lou. Lunch with Legends is a production of ASE Media. Produced by Lou Stowers and myself, Jimmy Flame, for House of Fire Productions. Our executive producer is Maxine Stowers. Lunch with Legends is brought to you by World Financial Group, Athena Financial. Don't be a dummy and protect your assets. Call World Financial Group today at 562-266-7024. And Kangen Water Systems. Call Michael Landa at 714-931-0059. And don't forget to subscribe to Lunch with Legends wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.